You know how we're always looking for more diverse characters and storylines from publishers and creators? Well, Rosarium Publishing is a black-owned company committed to diversity. They have a multicultural roster of over 40 writers and artists from all over the world, creating everything from steampunk to Afrofuturism and putting it all into their comic books and original graphic novels. Rosarium needs to expand, and that's why they need your help. Go to rosariumpublishing.com today and click on the Indiegogo button to donate and help them continue to putting out these amazing stories just for you. Go to rosariumpublishing.com today. Hit that Indiegogo button today. Help them keep putting out this fantastic material. Peace. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Triple of Black Tribbles fame. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host. Hey, hey, it's Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, Wednesdays 8 to 10 on GTownRadio.com. Good to good to be with y'all this, this evening. Yeah, this is um episode... Oh, I think this is episode like 13, 13. Yeah. yeah, yeah. M- moving right along, moving right along, just like the Muppets. <laughs> and we are continuing the month of love. Month April of means love. love here on the Michelle mission, ladies and gentlemen. And tonight we are bringing you a, I'm not sure whether or not to call this a comedy or a drama, Yeah, yeah. but um, love is definitely an issue. In 1974's Claudine. Yes. Starring Diane Carroll and James Earl Jones. Yes. So it definitely is in the forefront of this film that we will be reviewing for you this evening. But first, we have just a little bit of feedback that we've gotten back from each and every uh, a couple of people. All right. All right. Listening um, that check us out, that follow us on Twitter. All right. You can follow us on Twitter at Mission Show. Um, the show is M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X after the noted filmmaker Oscar Michaud. All right. We, in, in announcing that we were going to be doing Claudine in the month of love, uh, Urban Literati at Literati NYC asked, wait, what? Claudine was a comedy. Mm. Mm. So he posed that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we, we shall see. Maybe it is. Maybe it ain't. We will see. Um, we also got uh, a very nice compliment from Destiny Edwards at okay. at Mocha Loca eighty five right. on Twitter. I'll, I'll read it exactly what she says. Okay. Realize that Len and Vince's voices are too smooth to listen to Michelle mission at night. Almost fell asleep on the commute home. 
Well, well, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that, uh, Destiny. We don't want you. Don't want to no, uh, hear no, about anything no, happening no. to you. No. Um, but we certainly appreciate the com- absolutely, compliment. absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Destiny. <laughs> you have you have made two gray beards very happy. Uh. <laughs> very very happy. Uh, we really appreciate appreciate you listening and yes, yes. and taking the time to listen to us and listen to us during the day. Yes, or or at least stationary. Or at least yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Instead of calling up with a good book at night, maybe you might want to color up on the Michelle. There you go. At night, you know, and we'll we'll soothe you to sleep. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Let the Michelle mission be your lullaby. Um. All right, that was cool. That was cool. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. That was worth the price of admission, right there. Worth the price of admission. That was dope. All right, let's um, let's get into it. All right, let's get into Claudine. Wait a minute. It's one thirty-nine Edgecombe Avenue. My name is Claudine. Claudine Price. Ruben P. Marshall. Seven o'clock. Claudine and Rupert are working on a project, a love project. When I get to know you better, maybe. I said maybe. And while they're working hard to get it together, the world's working harder to keep them apart. Hello, Miss Claudine Price-Leaper? Yeah. Six kids in four rooms. Thirty-six and it ain't old. It's too old to be... 20th Century Fox presents... James Earl Jones and Diane Carroll in Claudine. Cool it. Your mama's going on a date. Like a nice restaurant, some fine music. It's gonna wind up chicken anyway. Mom, it's Miss K back, the social worker. Society gave us no choice. Trying to silence my voice, pushing me on the don't just stand there, honey. Let her in. This man may be bringing things into your home which you may not be deducting. Now, you know I have to deduct you on those things. What things? What things, damn it? You have a man come over for dinner, he brings you a bottle of wine. I have a man come over for dinner, he brings me a damn six-pack. Oh, there are two left, Mr. Kayback. Would you like a beer? If you've ever laughed, you'll dig Claudine. You're the gentleman that's been keeping company here. I'm not mad, I'm just a garbage man. Oh, well, may I have your name, please? Simpson X, that's it. You've heard of Malcolm X, I'm Simpson X. If you've ever cried, you'll dig Claudine. Mama, I'm not a baby anymore. I know you're not a baby, but you're not a woman either. I'm nothing! That's what I am. I don't know nothing, I don't have nothing, I'm nothing! If you've ever had dreams, you'll dig Claudine. I have actually avoided success. Oh, no! You know why? Because when you are successful and rich, people will envy you and hate you. And I want people to love me. <laughs> if you've ever had troubles, you'll dig Claudine. Claudine. Baby. Hey, hey, hey. Cheer up. It could get worse. I cheered up, and the Lord was right. It got worse. <laughs> if you've got heart. Suppose I do not marry this lady. Now, if I move in with her and do not tell you, then we're both crooks, right? But if I do tell you, then we're back to the income and the outcome and the, and the deducting and you drive me to drink and you call a fraud if I spend $7 for a bottle of whiskey. If you've got soul, there's one thing you better know. And that is, I love all of you. If you're young, 
old, rich, poor, black, white, or green. You'll dig Claudine. All right, so Claudine here in the month of love. You know, it is actually uh, my niece actually said, you know, when when are we going to do Claudine? Because she said, really, yeah, she said this is her favorite movie, which is, you know, weird for a 22, 23 year old now. But still, but you kind of see your your niece. Let's give her a proper. What's her name? uh, Sarah Reed. Sarah Reed. Sarah Reed. This one's for you. This one. This one's for Sarah. And um, it's actually kind of a shame we didn't do it last week. Because last week, uh, speaking of holidays and things, was uh, National Grilled Cheese Day. <laughs> I did not know that. It was. And and for me, Claudine is one of those films that is very comforting. Like, okay. like it really is comfort food. It really is one of those films that I don't remember a time not watching Claudine. Okay. And and it's 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 a type of film where where you know we talk about especially this era like the seventies and, mm. and you know the, the so called black exploitation period where you know there are some films that are kind of over the top and very stylized and all of this and Claudine is very sort of naturalistic and 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 everything that goes along with it for those of you who haven't seen Claudine it is the story of the title character Claudine who is the mother of six children. Hoofa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's actually a plot point. Like, she's the mother of six children, and she works as a maid in in um, upstate New York, and she is on welfare, mm-hmm. and which means that at the time she's illegally working. That's right. And, and this is a plot point, you, you know? And she is um, dating... A garbage man named Rupert, played by James Earl Jones. That's right. Get it right. And and the film really sort of details the challenges that come from the two of them trying to make this life together. Right. Claudine, you know, the other thing is is Claudine is one of those movies that the story behind Claudine is actually more interesting than the story itself. Claudine was the first and only production from the Third World Cinema Corporation, which was a, a company put together by a group of activists and artists who really wanted to present positive images of black people and positive. Right. And, you know, and, and their goal was to sort of um, sort of identify black talent. And and nurture black talent, you know, people like Rita Moreno were involved. People like Ozzie Davis were involved. Mm -hmm. And this was their first project. Uh, Another member of this group was the great Diana Sands. And if you're not familiar with that name, Diana Sands played Benita in um, A Raisin in the Sun. Right. And and she was very active and very vocal and unfortunately she died very young Mm -hmm. and in fact she died uh during pre-production for claudine for for claudine she was supposed to play the title character and before she died she said she wanted her very close friend diane carroll to play the role and 
Diane Carroll at this point was was best known for Julia, mm-hmm. Julia, which was the first sitcom starring an African American woman. And and you know, honestly, if you've ever seen episodes of Claudine, especially in the second season, Diane Sand. You mean you mean uh, episodes of, uh, Julia. of Julia, right? Episodes of Julia, and and certainly the second season, Diana Sands actually plays like Julia's her, her best, best friend, friend, right? Yeah. So you know, they're friends in real life, and they were friends on screen. And this is where it gets interesting because I think, you, you know, Diane Carroll is is one of those people. She's one of my favorite sort of black Hollywood people. Really? She has this really complicated relationship with with black people and with Hollywood and everything. And, and we talked we talked about this a little bit when we talked about Sidney Poitier and Harry Belafonte and and sort of you know, older black Hollywood, older respectable Hollywood. Right. Moving into the 70s. Right. And, you you know, in a lot of ways, Diane Carroll was right at ground zero where, you know, Julia came on. People were very happy. People were very proud because and, and, you know, if you watch the show, Julia, she's a nurse and she's doing all this stuff and she's a widow. But it's it's, you know, very positive and, Mm -hmm. and very forward and in a lot of ways, very progressive. But it comes out at this moment where a lot of black politics are becoming more pointed, more overtly political, more um, confrontational, if you will. Confrontational is the word, yeah. And there were a lot of voices saying that Diane Carroll was a sellout and that Julia didn't really represent anything but a a white woman in blackface and then they kind of put her in front of the camera to to play for these white folks and and all this stuff is going on in the streets and they're doing this and you know all of this kind of affects Diane Carroll quite honestly like like I'm I'm kind of pulling from her biography right now her autobiography you know the legs are the first to go and she talks about this period so in the midst of all this you have Claudine, which again is a story of of this working class maid with with six kids, and she she you know she lives in the ghetto, and and you know, and if you know anything about Diane Diana Sand, she would have been perfect for the world for the role. Perfect as far as the actress, as far as her look, and, and, and her way. persona, and everything. Like <laughs> you know, we're having such. Like we're having a very elevated conversation right now because we're talking about, you know, Diane Carroll and in the third world cinema. But now I got to bring in like when I think about Diana Sands, if she'd have played this role, I think about her role in um, Willie Dynamite. (laughs) (laughs) If you look at the work that Diana Sands did in the film Willie Dynamite, (laughs) you would get a sense of the je ne sais quoi. She would have brought to this role, <laughs> but <laughs> yes. you you lack vision, Lynn. Vision. Um. So she says she wants. To, you were ready for Willie Dynamite. It was in the role of Cora. The, <laughs> the role of, of Cora. That's right. She was a social worker. She used to be a prostitute, <laughs> right. but she had become a social worker, and now she was trying to save. And now she's trying to save, save Willie. The, she tried to off these streets and save the girls. That's right. Her boyfriend, played by Thalmus Rosella, <laughs> who was trying to put Willie. We're not going to talk about Willie Dynamite tonight, but Willie, that's that's a film right there. Um. 
So the producers and the, and the, and the makers of the film were were hesitant. Yes. To cast Diane Carroll because yes. everything about Diane Carroll was was very sort of um very sort of poised, very sort of put together, very sort of you, you know, she was Diane Carroll and you know not a hair out of place and mm-hmm. everything is sort of perfectly manicured. So, you know, they really said there's no way you can play this role. They thought she was too slick for it. They thought she was too slick, but if you know anything about Diane Carroll, Diane Carroll famously says, I know these women. These women are grew up with me. Like I am this woman. And Diane Carroll dressed down and came and, you know, obviously got the role. You know, same with James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones at this point is is a a, a Shakespearean actor. I mean, he's played roles in movies, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think this is during the period. He's channeling like that big huckabuck country boy role. Oh, boy. Like he does in Bingo Long. Yes, and he is. And The Great White Hope. Yeah, I'm about to say. And, and, a, and a couple of... This is James Earl Jones at this time. Right, right. He's right. Just big country huckabuck. Yeah. But there's this wonderful grace that they both bring to their roles where they... You don't look like you... I'm listening. Uh, they do. They bring this grace to the roles and this this sort of love story. And then the film does this really neat bait and switch where you you know you kind of you look at the and if you look at the cover of the DVDs and stuff now you see it and it's it's Rupe and it's and it's Claudine and they're in this loving embrace and mm-hmm. and everything. But the film really does turn into this kind of pointed very 70s commentary yep on the role of welfare in the black family mm-hmm. and 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 the film really makes this argument that welfare is kind of helping to disintegrate the family and it is it, it it's it's very politicized you, you know i think even talking about it now like i think our understanding of 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 welfare and, and aid and and you know obviously we want people to eat and this that and the other is is a, maybe a bit more nuanced maybe mm-hmm. but it is striking when you see a film kind of take this real hard stance mm-hmm. that says you you know um it is it 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 is um it kind of looks down on Claudine it humiliates Claudine like it's kind of played for laughs where you know the 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 welfare agent comes to check them and they have to run around and hide stuff and you know, roll up the carpet and you, you know in the, the hot toaster hide the toaster hide the TV at one point uh she and Rupert say that they're actually going to try and make this work and Rupert has to go down to the welfare office, mm-hmm. and it's 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 this really claustrophobic scene where you can see he feels, and he says it at at, at several points that like they're going to take my manhood, mm. and and I don't even want to get involved with this at all. You know, sidebar. Do you notice that the, the uh, agent at the welfare office was played by Roxy Roker? Roxy Roker. Yes. Sir. This whole film is filled with sort of seven. I mean, Roxy Roker is in the seventies kind of background actor but you know kind of these actors that kind of show up in sitcoms and it's like oh it's that guy like is that he played disco dynamite in what's happening mm-hmm. you know exactly who i'm talking yeah, about you're talking about his like his his 
friend. I think Paul was. His yeah, name, yeah, the like dude. That. Who, yeah. yeah, he also played uh, the dude who went to high school with JJ in Good Times. In yep. Good Times, and had OD'd, and JJ had to keep him up. Yep. So you know, it's all those kind of characters. But again, from beginning to end, it is this whole thing that is just as much a part of the plot as the love story. Yeah. About how are we as the community going to deal with the effects of welfare, mm-hmm. which, you know, like I said, was, was kind of striking to me. Um, Lawrence Hilton Jacobs has basically the third lead role yep. as uh, the oldest son. And, and he sort of is, is this activist and, and he's very angry and, and, and very pessimistic and, and cynical about just life. So, so you know, again, it's this very seventies. What is the ghetto in this life doing to our young people? Um, his sister, you know, speaking of character actors that you see, the Tamu, yeah, Tamu. Tamu she went by one name. Her her whole name is Tamu Blackwell, but at the time she was Tamu. That's all she and, was, and she plays you know the oldest daughter, and she's going with her own thing. And you know, spoiler for uh, um forty year old movie, but she gets pregnant and everything that goes along with that. And then, you know, what else? I mean, how can you talk about Claudine without talking about the soundtrack? I mean, Curtis Mayfield. It's one of the great Curtis Mayfield 70s soundtracks. And it kind of holds the whole thing together. So that, you, you know, again, you get, like, it's this wonderful sort of package that you get. And it was very much and very consciously a counter-programming to what people at the time thought was black exploitation, like like when you read the interviews with with everybody at the time, and you know, like I read something that said James Earl Jones actually auditioned for Shaft, and then turned it down because he thought it was too negative and he didn't want to get into all that. But but you, you know, I'm I'm fascinated by this com, you know, like again, I love conversations by this conversation that was going on at the time. Yeah, yeah. about you know the impact of of the black action heroes and and of these you know kind of these these adventure movies and 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 you have these sort of dueling philosophies going on in the films and Claudine was very consciously part of this counter programming so you know Claudine that's sort of my opening statement my my salvo you you know what you got to say about Claudine you, you know, did your mouth funny? <laughs> I didn't do my mouth funny. I think it's, that's the technical term. You did your mouth funny. <laughs> I didn't do my mouth my mouth funny. Um, I kind of like this movie. I kind of did. I, I actually had thought that I'd seen it before, mm-hmm. uh, but I wasn't sure. So I was like, oh, well, you know. So either way, I was going to watch it again. Mm-hmm. And in watching it again, I realized that I had not seen it before. Um, I don't know. I guess it just fell under the radar and I, I, I mean I, I knew it was out there but for whatever reason I never watched it and uh, I want to think one of the reasons why I did not watch it is because unlike you I am not a particular fan of Diane Carroll I don't oh my god but I say that to say, oh lord Jesus we might actually fist fight in here I'm just, I say that to say that it's not that I'm not a fan of Diane Carroll I just don't feel one way or the other about her. I don't think that Diane Carroll, I know she's done uh, quite a number of albums and has played in Las Vegas and stuff like that, but I don't think she is uh, 
that accomplished of a singer. No, no, no. no. Um, but she's done. She's put out albums. You know, um, I don't think she's that accomplished of, of a singer. When I have seen her perform, I thought she was okay. I didn't think there was anything like great about her dancing or entertaining on the stage. When I've seen her do it, um, either on her own or side by side with other performers, and when I've seen her acting. I didn't think one way or other of her acting either. You didn't like her on a different world? On a different world? She played Whitley's mother. Okay, she yeah, she did. I mean You ain't like Dominique Devereaux? She was okay. on Dynasty? No. <laughs> no. I know we're not, I know we're not caping up for her on Dynasty. You didn't like it in Eve's Bayou? <sighs> Look, is she really what you remember from Eve's Bayou? Yes. No, she's not. So anyway, I don't. Re- I didn't oh really. God. I'm All not right, really necessarily. So, ahead, so ahead, I think ahead, that's the reason ahead, why ahead. I never really returned. You know, <sighs> sorted out. But now I've watched it, and um, she's not bad in it. I don't think she's actually uh, doing anything great in the movie. To be perfectly honest, and knowing that. You know, Diana Sands was to do this movie. It just mm-hmm. hurts you all the more because I could see Diana Sands like murdering this movie. You know, I could see this being like a star making turn for her, mm-hmm. you know, um, whereas with Diane Carroll, I thought she was OK, but you know, it was whatever. And when as far as her getting the film, Diana Sands is, is like, you know, is is definitely ill, she says, and she's one of the principals behind Third World Cinema mm-hmm. and says, give it to, you know, let my, my friend do it. What are they going to say? Well, they they said no. No, they they, they, they said no. They they again, she had to come back and kind of audition for it. Well, no, she auditioned and well, either way. Well, all right. She got it. Oh, yes, she got it. I didn't think that she she did any great shakes in this movie. I, I, that's just me. And James Earl Jones, James Earl Jones, like you said, this is James Earl Jones at that at this time. Mm-hmm. Big, bombastic, you know. He's actually barrel chested. Well, I, I I think he's like four barrel chested. I mean, he's, <laughs> he is a huge. He's he, and and all chests are on display in in this movie. Lot there's a there's a lot of James Earl. A lot Jones. of naked James Earl. I've Jones. seen a lot more of James like, Earl Jones. Like when, I, when you got I up, need to see. when you got up that day, you didn't say, you know, well, what am I going to do today? I'm going to see. Naked 1974 James Earl Jones. Yes. Um, and, you know, he's very he's very bold and bombastic in his acting in this film. But that was indicative of his style mm-hmm. at the time, like you said, from Bingo Long uh, and other movies. Um, so once I got used to that, because at first it was kind of it was it was kind of getting on my nerves. Mm. But once I kind of got used to that, you know. I got used to it. I don't know if I saw any particular grace in it like you did, but I got used to it. So mm-hmm. I got used to him and, you know, being, you know, over the top. And I got used to Diane Carroll being just riding this one one emotion throughout the throughout the film to me. I mean, she's tired. And you know, I got that. I I get I get that she's tired from the story from dealing with the kids from going schlepping out to the suburbs to be the maid and everything like that. I get that. And I get that. That's what she's supposed to be presenting. 
I just so so the so logically I understand she's supposed to be tired. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if I'm feeling it from her. And that's just me. Other people no, 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 may just, may, just, may have felt that's that. That's why we're here. But that not being that being said, I still kind of enjoyed the movie because of like you said what it the, the picture that it does present of that time mm-hmm. and the commentary that it presents of of that time and of life at that time um with them having to fight the whole welfare system the welfare system is basically is basically the protagonist in this movie mm-hmm. you know and it's while it is played for a comedic effect it is very um jarring mm-hmm. to hear the welfare w- woman come to her house and you know you know we've heard that there's been some man visiting you right you're like what right i mean right. if you're watching that from you're even watching this from 1980s sensibilities right. and you're like where, where the hell do you get off you know but but that was uh, a fact of life at that time. Yeah, and old girl said things that had gotten better because she said we well, used to go in your bathroom exactly and, and check for a razor. Checking, yeah, they used yeah. to they used to be in there like Gestapo. Yeah. on you. Um, so that was and, and that was very. I can imagine that being very humiliating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can also imagine that being uh very disconcerting confusing and um and, and and troubling for the older children who have grown up through this whole thing and now as they are starting to learn the ways of the world and seeing how it's playing havoc with their mom they're they're going through a whole tidal wave of emotions you know the anger that Lawrence Hilton Jacob is showing in him being a radical yeah but like when the welfare lady comes out he just basically walks out right because he don't he don't he doesn't he doesn't want to be a part of the welfare system but he also doesn't want to be a part of the lie that they have to put it right. they have to put up right you know to keep this going right um his, uh, the oldest, the oldest daughter, looking for a quick way out, right? By following this dude Abdullah, Ab- Abdullah in well, the streets. Well, Ted, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, he's Muslim now. He's Abdullah now, right? Right, Abdullah. Um, and you know, and you can just see, read in between the lines of exactly what he's doing, right? You know, right, to right. just slowly turn turning her out. You know, um, that is. That is powerful. That is powerful stuff right mm-hmm. there. The whole thing, again, played, I think, played a little bit better as, as the story got along uh, about the one of the, the children wanting to be invisible. Yeah. And invisible to the point that by the end of the movie, he's not even talking. Yeah. He's writing on a board. Yeah. You know, just trying to withdraw more and more. It's actually like, it's actually like heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like you could, it, you could imagine like if that, if, if, if the story had been uh, allowed to proceed on a, on a downward spiral, mm-hmm. what that, how crippling that would have been to him. He would have, um, shrunk more and more into himself, right? Until he w- probably would have been almost catatonic, right? You know what right, I mean, right? Um, so that was very, 
that was kind of that the, the story of the children was was powerful that's what was like hitting me right right um and also was hitting me was the story of Rupert and as 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 invasive as this as the welfare system is in this family's life and as detrimental as it as it is to this to to um this couple that just wants to be together and possibly grow something with this you know blend this family together as invasive as they are there's a part of me maybe it's from these sensibilities but I don't want to think it's from that that sensibility too is feeling like they may not be as invasive if whoever was the father of these six children all of these brothers had done what they were supposed right. to do much like Rupert is not doing for exactly. his three children exactly right which is why when they are about to get married and all of a sudden they come they find him and you realize the reason why they found him is because they had that meeting at the welfare office right. so now they've got this brother's name right they've got his information right so they look and like oh mr marshall right and so now they 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 tracked him down right and to take care of his children exactly right 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 and I'm not exactly sure whether or not I think it's I think it's very interesting. The movie is very ambiguous. Yes. In tone as to whether or not they want you to feel sorry for him that they caught him. Yes. Or 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 feel like, yeah, they got you, brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there is and it is also plays it a little bit ambiguously as to how Claudine feels about that. Yeah. Because yes, that's kind of messing up our game plan, but yo. Right. Exactly. You got to do what you got to do. And if you got to do what you got to do, you know, I'm ready to ride with you. Right. I'm ready to ride with that. Okay, your check's going to take a certain dip, then it's all good. Right. We'll make it we'll make it work together. You going to let that get in, in between us? You know what I mean? So I thought, and I thought that was kind of very telling. That you know, what does he do? He runs off again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He runs off again. So, so much so that when he does come back at the end for the big grand finale mm-hmm. and 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 the absurd, you know, set piece at the end of the movie. Yeah. This just makes absolutely no, absolutely no sense. Yeah, did you, hey, we're just wrapping it up. <laughs> just wrapping just it up. Just wrapping it up. We just all going to get on the on the, on the uh, police car together and go away. Yeah, yeah they, they all get on the police car yeah. together and get on the police car before the person that the police arrested. Yes. yes. He has to come running after hey, it. Lynn, just get... go with it. Just go with it. Just <laughs> okay. go with it because the music is playing and I understand. They're going they're married and But so much so that when that does happen, there's a part of me that as as rah-rahs they want you to feel about that. Right. I don't know. I can't feel but so rah-rah because brother this brother man just ran away for like a couple of weeks. Just dipped out on this woman and these kids yeah. like four or five other dudes have done right. to them prior. And now, okay, this is the one that came back, and maybe he's going to stay. But there's no, there's no indication that this is 
uh, happily ever after Out, outside of whatever trappings they, they wrap this, they wrap the film up in. I do not necessarily believe that this is happily ever after. I do not believe that this brother is not going to dip again. Right. Right. You know? Right. Um, and, and I think I'm, I think I'm right for feeling that way. Yeah. But I don't think that the movie wants me to feel right, that right, way. Right, right, exactly. And because of that, I think the movie is a, a fails for me. Right. Well, to me, I, I guess that's what makes it. I'm probably saying the same thing that you are. I, I think part of the reason, you know, you, you, you kind of deal with, uh, with a film at different stages of, right. of your life. Like you approach it differently. And I think I kind of liked it this time because of that disconnect. Like I like the fact that that Rupert is actually not a cool dude. No, like he's actually not a cool dude. In fact, just, just to piggyback what you've been saying about, you know, how he's dipped out on his other kids. There's an exchange on their first date where, where Claudine says to him, you know, why are you a garbage man? Like clearly you could be so much you're more. smarter than you're that, smarter right. than that, which, you know, <laughs> just up our, in my head, I was like, shit, a garbage man in 19. He's probably in the union probably make a good living what you talking about but but you know okay i go over the garbage man he'd probably do better and then he has that whole little short speech about how you know if you kind of stay below the radar mm-hmm. and then people don't bother you and this and another and now i'm thinking is he a garbage like is he doing the straight up okie doke where he's working off the books mm-hmm. and working real low so he don't have to pay child support. Mm. Like, is he doing that? Like the stuff that we, um, rightfully so, crucified dudes for yes. in 2016. Like, are you really working under the table and quitting your job because you don't want to pay child support? Right. So that I actually like that part. Like, I like the fact that it is it, like the end is like, eh, yeah, you know. Eh. But um. Having said that, you know, I, I also agree with you. I, I do think the film is sort of unflinching in their in their kind of portrait of what the welfare system or what they argue the welfare system does to kids. Yeah, Be, because, you know, they really do sort of go down the line, you know, maybe four of, the, of her six kids. And, and, you know, it's telling that it is sort of. um uh, Clarence, you know, Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, he chooses, as she says, death and says that he has no future because uh, right. he gets a vasectomy. Right. And, right. and and Claudine is very kind of emotional about that. Like you're saying that that you you have you don't want to continue on. You don't. But that's his sort of answer. And then her daughter gets pregnant and she chooses life. But in this context, that's not working either. So, you know, you have you have death and it's not working. You have life is not working. And both of them are just hurt. Yeah. Like both of them are just hurt. You know, you talked about her son who, who you know, this whole theme of I, I just want to be invisible and I don't want to be here. And, and he mm-hmm. kind of just kind of folds up into himself. And, you know, to the point where when Rupert comes back, he says, you know, I, I won't eat much like I'll eat invisible food. Yeah. And, and, and it is this kind of disconnect with the way the film plays it much like they do Rupert, where it's, it's supposed to be kind of a cute moment, I guess. Right. But it's so sad. Yeah. Like it's so sad. And this, and, and, you know, you really do get this sense that this is a sad situation 
and and you know somehow Rupert's addition to the family and you know we we all people talk about this and you say you know the kids need a father and figure and and you kind of and it's you know it's it kind of reads like like distractingly conservative in 2016 like Mm. this kind of mess you know you just sort of plug a man in if you plug a man in that'll fix all the problems right and they kind of had that montage where he kind of goes from kid to kid Kid to kid solving and solving their problems and 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 you know and he's sort of standing up and so i actually kind of i like it like that now like these sort of weird messages Mm -hmm. that that you know uh play differently in 2016 but but you know again within the context of what's happening in 1974 this this is a this is this is a it's this is an interesting little conversation no it is an interesting conversation because i would imagine that in 1974 especially uh, a film like this that's got a um a black female lead Mm -hmm. you know Who's uh, not doing karate. Not doing karate or anything like that. She's just living her life and, and living the life of a lot of women out there. Yeah. You know, oh, that, yeah. Are, that are going to the movies to watch this. I would imagine, like I said, the whole scene of, like, I couldn't help but watching this. And when he talks about how he, like, you know, I got my kids out there and he's obviously not doing anything mm-hmm. for them. And then he gets, he gets caught. He, they find him out. And he gets hit, gar- his wages garnished. I could imagine that, you know, as as much as I'm sure that did happen back in 1974, mm-hmm. in 1974, I would imagine that was few and far between yeah, oh, when yeah. that happened. Because yeah. you didn't have the search mechanisms right, that you right, do right, in right, right, right. days. And the story of those times was about people you know guys having babies and just like you know dipping out and, mm-hmm. and not worrying about them so i would imagine like there being a whole legion of women that was watching this movie and just saying like right on they were right. like yeah right yeah yeah yep yep you got them well the you know the funny thing I never you you I've I've not read anything that addresses that part of. It. Well, no, because because at that time. Well, I mean, even now, like even now, when you you know, like Turner Classic Movies writes about it, or 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 like you you know, you kind of look up stuff like that. Kind of the Rupert part of it. Mm. I feel like it's unexplored. You know, I feel like it's unexplored. And you know, again, with all of the requisite qualifiers, you know, that I've read, right? You, right. you know. And you know, like you said, well, we, we we talked for a minute. We we broke one of Lynn's cardinal rules, and we talked a little bit before we came on. And and you said, you know, you were surprised that this hadn't been remade. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is such a relic of this moment. You couldn't remake this because wow. that that turns it like that detail about Rupert abandoning his three kids and then being upset. Because they've hunted him down, and yet he kind of still goes forward as sort of this romantic lead. First of all, it, that can't happen. Well, it does. Well, and then it turns it into a brand new movie. Like now, it's a brand new movie. Well, it does kind of turn into a brand new movie in this one because once he does find out, and then he dips and he goes out on a bender, like right. a, a four day bender, um, right? Upon which you know uh, Clarence has to you know go find him, mm-hmm. you know, and and I and. 
I'm not sure whether or not Clarence was out looking for him or just lucked upon him. Right. But uh, when he lucked upon him, he he said, I made a promise to you, boy. He did. You made my mama cry. Yeah. You're going to have to pay in blood. Right, right. And right. he withdrew some blood. And then, and then after beating his ass, you know, Rupert is still trying to like hug it out. It's like, yeah, yeah, you, you did what you had to do. And, and and Clarence wasn't having any of that. Right. He wasn't having any of that, which again is just very disturbing for me because like that ending, I just don't feel like he earned it. Right. That right. Or that ending is, is so not earned. I, I, I understand they, what they're going for and, you know, there's running time and you got to end it somehow and everything like that. But it's just so it's just so unearned mm-hmm. for me, um, and I that really just lets me down because I thought it was so powerful. I mean, let's just let's just sidetrack for a little bit and talk about an incredible actor who I don't think gets his just due and certainly didn't get his just due uh, later in, in his career in Lawrence Hilton Jacobs. Yeah. Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, you can t- take the short bit that he does here mm-hmm. in this movie. And then of course, you know, you know, you know, bring in Cochise. Right. From Cooley High. Right. And it is easy, easy to see that in the early 1970s, he must have been one of the most uh, magnetic, yeah. talented, young African-American actors on the screen. Yeah, I wouldn't even put the African-American qualifier. Yeah. Like, just the young actors of yeah. that moment. Because you can't take yeah. your eyes off his you, face. You know, Welcome Back, Welcome Back, yeah, Welcome Back Carter ruined him. It did. It, it welcome did. Back Carter as, ruined him. As much him. as it put him on the- He, he on, should never have gone to television. No. Yeah. Or he should have done what, um, uh, taken the chance, admittedly, and it would have been a leap of faith. He should have done what uh, John Travolta did and left. Right. Do a couple of do a couple of seasons. Right, and then leave. Right, and then and leave. then bounce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think Lawrence Hilton Jacobs is amazing in the Jacksons miniseries like that's one of those things where i was like damn why doesn't he work more he's channeling his old skill now admittedly you know he did have a a, a a bit where he you know fell in love with with uh some powder some drugs okay for what I, understand. I didn't know that but i mean in hell who didn't well what i'm just saying so right. that that played some havoc on sure on his career. sure sure you know you know you had that money coming in at, at the young age that he was because he was still relatively young when yeah. he got welcome back oh yeah oh yeah you know so and he was and he was making money like him and john travolta were the st- were the breakout yeah, star absolutely of that, of that. i i think he may have been the star when it started and then john travolta kind of broke really kind of broke right out. like right, if right, you right. look at their careers when the show started i don't know if john travolta had no he had actually have, done anything yet not really no you know so but yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely, I, I love him in this. Mm-hmm. I'll, you know, let's, you know, as I said, he's sort of the third lead, lead in this thing. And and again, when you're the third lead behind uh, James Earl Jones, and you know, regardless of of your feelings, Diane Carroll, right? That's not bad. Not that. I thought this was very interesting. If I remember correctly, even though, and you correct me if I'm wrong, 
all of the posters and from what I remember when the movie comes on, James Earl Jones is list is listed ahead of Diane Carroll. I don't remember. Well, all the posters, would, his, yeah, his name is first. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, though. I guess it wouldn't surprise you, because, but I would have thought even then well, they're probably well, on equal set. Well, it, see, here, here's a Diane Carroll thing, and, and, and you kind of said it, and, 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 you know, like it was a critique, but like it was really just sort of the actual definition of Diane Carroll, of like what Diane Carroll says. Like you had this sort of, this sort of uh, poly, poly morph or poly, you know, these, these people, you know, where, where I sing, I dance, I act, you know, they're from that sort of Las Vegas tradition yeah you had a lot of you had where where and and, you know and diane carroll will will, you know again she kind of talks about this in her biography and she talks about this in interviews and and she actually describes herself like you just described her like i'm not the greatest singer Mm -hmm. i can carry a tune Mm -hmm. i'm not the greatest dancer but you know i I, you know i'm on beat i'm on beat and i'm from that tradition where you kind of had to do all this stuff so it's like her and like leslie uggams and and really? you know i always thought leslie uggams more as a straight actor no leslie uggams is another one she sings and dances and really? okay. she had she had a show like they all had a show okay you know sammy davis jr well, who's yeah, like definitely who's sammy. like the pinnacle of this yes because well sammy and probably at this time diana diana ross right well right and, and even diana ross is kind of after this period because diana ross kind of ascends to it's it's funny there's if you haven't picked it up yet you should read diane carroll's book it's an amazing book diane carroll talks at one point about how hollywood was changing mm-hmm. in the late 60s and and early 70s and she talked about you know she lived in beverly hills and had been living in beverly hills for like 10 15 years and and one day she went out of house and she went somewhere and this garish bright yellow Rolls Royce came flying down the street and this was her you know the neighborhood is changing moment hmm. and it was Diana Ross driving it <laughs> so, so so Diane Carroll is like from that generation of like performer yeah. where you know even in 74 and another name I was uh, just thinking it hit me Lena Horn Lena Lena Horn yeah. say look I sing I'm 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 very pretty like you start there I'm very pretty. Right. I sing, I dance, I act, I tell some jokes. Like, like, like you go see a show. Like right. you go Las Vegas. You you go. We were talking about it. Oh, I'm thinking about my other show now. We we were doing Sam Cooke on It's All Soul, and, and Sam Cooke has an album live at the Copa Cabana. Like I got a show at the Copa, mm-hmm. and you come out and you see it, and let's just call it what it is. I can be trusted to perform in front of white people and I'm not going to make no waves or, right. you know, like I ain't going to sweat that much and, you know, get people upset and mm-hmm. I do my thing. Mm-hmm. And that's Diane Carroll. And, you know, going into, you, you know, again, she, you know, coming off of Julia, which I think was on maybe two, maybe three years, right? Like maybe three years. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, James Earl Jones is a capital a actor. Yep. And so, so you know, I, I mean, obviously it's named Claudine, so she's the lead character. But it do, it doesn't surprise me at all that that you saw some work where James Earl Jones is billed first because James Earl Jones is the serious capital A actor, you, you know, full stop. 
Um, something I, I didn't want to say before before I lost it. You know, if if you haven't, like, I hate them Butler movies, like them Butler helpy movies where like the whole movie is just black people in kitchens, mm. and like that's the entirety of their like somehow that's the entirety of their life. Right. Like like my whole life is being this butler and being this person, and like I always think of of the beginning of their eyes were watching God, the the Zorno Hurston novel, and it starts with people getting off for the day, right? And there's this wonderful language about they become human again, and their eyes and their ears and their skin is theirs now. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, if you're gonna write a story of because you you know there's you know people who are domestics and people do this work like it's a job right but you can you aren't defined by your service to other people exactly so like i like a story like this and there's that that great scene at the very beginning where where she and the other maids are riding the bus mm-hmm. and there's that great overhead shot where the they bus pulling into the, the, the uh, bus pulls into the cul-de-sac and all of the black maids get off and they all go to their respective houses. Yeah, they all disperse. And then, you know, then she, she you know, Roop is, is the garbage man and she talks to Roop. And then that's it. That's all you see of this part. Yeah. Then, then they go and you get to see her life. Right. And I love that. I'm crazy that way. Like, I feel like these people have lives mm-hmm. that are outside of them being magical Negroes and, and sage advice givers and surrogate mothers and surrogate fathers and you know baby love sometimes the love you got to be oh you is good and you is special and it's like okay all right yeah yeah. at some point they're going to get off and go home to their families that is true because the whole time you can't help but in the back of your head while she's dealing with her with her children her six Mm -hmm. kids uh, especially when she comes home that first day mm-hmm. uh, with Rupert and, you know, the it, the house is going crazy. People can't go to the bathroom <laughs> and all this. It's like it's in, like insane asylum. And in the back of your head is that, wow, she comes home to these six kids, you know, dealing with all this craziness. And then for eight, ten hours a day, she's at, you know, Lily Whitehammer house. Yeah. You know, dealing with probably. 2.5 kids there right you know, right when right. they get home from school and all this other stuff and, and, and never mind the um the absentee mom yeah they're uh, gabbing on the phone so you do hear you do hear that like like i say the story tells me she should be tired and i understand mm-hmm. from what they the picture that they paint she should be dog tired and looking for some type of relief even if it is you know in the form of this uh this intelligent, funny, you know, off the wall garbage man, mm-hmm. you know, who, who mad charming, mad, who's mad charming. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, hey, just looking for, a, you know, just being able to put our shoulders down. Quiet is kept. The best scene, one of the best scenes in this movie is them, you know, you know, he kind of like takes charge. Like, listen, I'm taking your mother out. Yeah. Go get your dress. Get the Paisley dress. Your shoes. We go to my house. Get get dressed, and we'll go get some dinner. And you know, he goes, and you know, he's cleaning up the house. He's picking up around the house. You know, every brother, yeah, every brother's done it. Um, and I thought that it was cool that you know, I also thought that it was cool that Claudine 
doesn't seem to feel any way. There's nothing made of the fact that he lives in a house, in an apartment building that obviously is <laughs> wall to wall with with uh, prostitutes. Yes. There's nothing made out of. He makes the comment like, "Yo, the, the rent is cheap." You know what I mean? And, and she's like, "Okay." <laughs> you know the bad part, Lynn. Like I said, I've been watching this movie pretty much my whole life. For years, I thought they was just seventies ladies. <laughs> oh well, clearly they're seventies ladies. Leather hot pants in thaha orange boots. <laughs> That's just seventies ladies wear. And then right, you know, he, and he said they're working girl. Oh, obviously they're working. You have to work to pay your rent. You have to pay your rent. These seventies ladies have jobs. God bless them. God bless them. Everywhere one. <laughs> so yeah. And then I got to be about 14. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> but I love that there's nothing made of that. Right. You know, it's it's a comment, it's a commentary of where he lives. Yeah. You know, another another um window into what you say, his whole living under the radar. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um but then the best scene draws a bath for her, she gets in the bath and I saw it coming and it was so that it was so cool that it happened because now she could lay her burden down and, yeah. and she did what she probably hasn't done in since her at least since her second or third child was born. Yeah. She gets goes to sleep. Yeah. In the tub. Enjoy. Really enjoys yeah. the bathtub. And um, I thought that was just very 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 sweet and I could again I can imagine that being another scene where every everybody's watching that every woman's watching that in 1974 it's like I know that's right <laughs> you know that <laughs> you know what Claudia you got a good you <laughs> mm, mm, you you right because if I hadn't paid for this movie that's right where I'd be right now <laughs> he went out kills the mouse yeah like he's a hunter He's a, you know, like there are all these moments where he's like a capital M man. Yeah, but, but wasn't it a little, it was a little disturbing? Because when he's, he's laying there with her and he's, he's kissing Diane Carroll and say what you will about Diane Carroll. I certainly have. Diane Carroll is a very attractive woman. Hey man. But does James Earl Jones kissing her literally look like he's eating her face <laughs> I mean she could have been Kentucky Fried Carol the way it's, he was it's he, a lot because he, and, like James Earl Jones was it's, it's a lot it's a lot of James Earl because, like, God damn. and not only that he's kissing her with his eyes wide open <laughs> right. just looking at I mean he is just <laughs> he's got the peasy chest hair working looking like Fred Williamson, it's just like this is don't, don't do that to Fred Williamson. This is don't do that to Fred Williamson. Fred, you, Fred Williamson looks a little bit better. You than, know Fred Williamson's lights matches on his true. chest hair. That's true. It's <laughs> like this is this is just a lot right it's now. A lot of James Earl yeah. Jones, man. Yeah. He comes out of the bathroom. And this is a strategically placed <laughs> knee. I'm like, whoa. What's the rating on this movie? <laughs> right. I'm like, whoa, man. I yeah. mean, um, so that was just, I, I remember that. I, I, I made a note. Like, <laughs> right. James Earl Jones is eating Diane Carroll's face. Like, right. what the hell? But just to circle back, mm-hmm. as big and broad and kind of larger than life as he is, 
the scene in the welfare office, he shrinks in the chair. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He shrinks. He, he shrinks in that entire scene. You can't mm-hmm. find him exactly. until he starts talking and then stands up, you know, right. makes, his, you know makes his grand exit. Which, again, kind of goes what we've talked about. There's this sort of this very pointed commentary mm-hmm. on, on welfare. And then you got Gladys Knight saying, you know, keep away from it. You like that, right? I did like Mr. it, Welfare. But, but did they have to play that song like twelve <laughs> times? And like, was there not anything else on the soundtrack? You know what? I mean, go and launch you this Diane Carroll. I'm not going to hear nothing about the Claudine soundtrack. Though. No, I liked. I love the music. Okay. You can't. Right. I love. I love myself some Gladys Knight. All right, and I I love some myself some Curtis Mayfield. But they fell in love with those two tracks. With those two tracks. Yeah, those two tracks. On and on, because yeah, that yeah, kept yeah. playing right. on and on. Right, right. And, I mean, there to, was to be invisible. They played to be invisible. Oh, they played it once. I know. They played it for a minute. Shut up, Lynn. Come yes. on. Do- okay. All right. All right. They could have played more songs on the soundtrack. <laughs> it's a great soundtrack. They like the songs that they like. <laughs> I'm like, come on, dog. Oh, my God. I, I mean, it, it just bothered me. <laughs> it did bother me because yeah. I, I noted it. I was like, wait a minute. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure. Did they? Did the check not clear for Curtis? He said, "Look, this check. What? Y'all get three, right? Matter of fact, y'all get two songs and a verse of Invisible. Yes. <laughs> and then the check cleared, and they released the album. And they really. And there then you, that's when the, that's there when the soundtrack. You, there you soundtrack go. came out on there Buddha you, Records. There you go. <laughs> You, you know, again, I, I, I think, I think we talk about sort of, of, of sort of, the, you know, the pantheon of great '70s films. Mm-hmm. Like people say, oh, if if you're gonna see a '70s film, and you know, you get your Shaft, you get your Sweet Sweet Back, and you know, Superfly, and, and I think Claudine is right up there. Like, like I think Claudine is one of those films that you should see. Uh, from that era, from that era, like from you know, again, night from sweet, sweet back to whatever we decide the final black exploitation film is, which is a conversation I'm looking forward to having. Like you know, whether you say it's Penitentiary, whether you say it's Action Jackson, like whatever you pick, where you say, okay, this was the end of the black exploitation period. It's not the last dragon. There's an argument to be made. You know, well, you know my argument. My argument is that Eddie Murphy, the the like the rise of Eddie Murphy is the actual end of the black exploitation period. So, really? So, uh, so, so that'll be like 48 hours. When when, when 48 hours comes out, right? That's it. Like that's the end. And I know there's some movies like I think action. Now, action Jackson's after. I that. think Action Jackson comes after it, and it's maybe. You know, I don't know if Penitentiary does or not, but I think Eddie Murphy in Forty Eight Hours establishes the black crossover, the the black post black exploitation crossover star. Interesting, Be- because now you have Eddie Murphy. He's sexualized. He's a crossover star. He's basically Sidney Portier evolved mm. into this, and then so now there's no reason for the black exploitation film as far as studios and everything is concerned. You know, some people say the end is, you know, once we move into Star Wars and and basically they build theaters in the yeah. suburbs. Yeah. But again, whatever that end point is, and as as y'all may be able to tell, I've thought about this 
a lot. Um, that's why he's the host. <laughs> I um, I think this is certainly in the top five, ten films. Like if like you watch, yeah, probably top ten. You know, yeah. top ten. You, you know, well, I've seen Claudia and I talk about it and 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 how it fits into this moment. I think it probably of of a lot of the films. Um, because a lot of those black stations films, as much as they try to show like slices of life and you know the life in that in in the city and everything like that, they show them on such a heightened level right. that this is probably one of the more honest depictions, right? You know, uh, like right there in comedic ways with uh, Uptown Saturday Night, right? Um, and um, the Richard Pryor movie uh, again in comedic ways. Um, uh, which way is up? Which way is up? Okay, yeah. You know what I mean. So, um, yeah, it's probably it's it, it it probably is one of the ones that presenting a more honest, you know, truer slice of life. Um, there's an argument to be had, even if you look at this film on uh, Wikipedia. It says this is the 1974 American comedy dash drama slash romantic film. Yeah, they don't know where to put this. Yeah, yet it was nominated by the Writers Guild of of America for best comedy written directly written directly for the screen. Right. I guess we should mention John Barry, the director yeah. who had been blacklisted. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sort of this, you know, they, they bring in this, this sort of classic director for this thing. I don't really have anything to add to it that John Barry directed. It It just seems like you should oh, say he was on the Hollywood. Bl- he was on the, uh, yeah, oh on yeah. The blacklist. Oh, oh yeah. Like he's like, that's a re- like he was a real dude. In right. This. Yeah, you know. he was one of the ones that was, uh, um, like, one of the names that yeah. was given up in the 1950s. Yeah, yeah. And um, in the in the by the because uh, he refused to cooperate with uh, HUAC, the House Un-American Activities Committee. Yeah, uh, I wonder if he's one of the names that was given up by Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan gave up a lot of names. Yeah, he gave up a whole lot of names. I've been listening. Um, there's a great, you know. When I'm not doing the Michelle mission and other black dribble shows, I listen to podcasts and there's a great podcast called, um, you must remember this. Okay. Uh, it's by Katrina Longworth. I believe that's her name. Um, and it's all about the untold stories of classic Hollywood. Oh, okay. And she's been doing a whole series. It's, it's probably now into like part 10. Uh, it's a weekly podcast. Mm hmm. She's been doing a whole series recently on the the era of the blacklist. Okay. And looking at it from different viewpoints. Like talks about how he talks about the whole story about Ronald Reagan and how he just like straight up named names and right, like right. cooperated with the you know, Hoover and and everybody. And talks about all the the um the directors and actors that were affected mm-hmm. by the Hollywood blacklist as the communist scare you know came full blown became full blown in America it's a very interesting I, I recommend that uh, documentary for um, to anyone it's really cool if you look back in the archives she actually does a, a very cool um, episode on the story and career of Lena Horne that was actually pretty cool very nice. as well it's pretty dope you must remember this All right. look for it on iTunes All right. it's dope all right. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I think that does it. That absolutely does it. That, that absolutely does it. This was interesting. Yeah. I, 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 I like this. Um, Claudine. 
Claudine? It's um, out there. The whole movie is available on YouTube. You could just sit and watch it. That's where I watched it. Okay. All right. Um, also on DVD, iTunes, and yes. various and sundry avenues. Yeah, you can certainly, you certainly get it. Um, I think we have mixed mixed feelings about the film. But, oh, you but, think people should watch it? But I certainly think you should yeah. watch it. I, yeah. I I do think it's, it's worth watching um, to get a window into 1970. I, one of the truer windows into mm-hmm. 1974 um, here in America. In the big city in, in NYC. Dope movie. All right, we will be back next week with the final film in the month of April, in our month of love. And that film will be named shortly. <laughs> Look for a notice on Facebook and or Twitter when we announce what so, the film will be. So it's not going to be Willie Dynamite then? I don't think it's going to be Willie Dynamite. You could say Willie Dynamite was a love story between Willie Dynamite and one woman and another woman and a third woman and okay, it was like two other women as well. But you, you we, all right. <laughs> so, check us out. Go to, go uh, to Subscribe to us on iTunes. Or like SoundCloud. us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Yes, yes. Leave a comment and a ranking on iTunes. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate that. Destiny pulled a car over. Destiny pulled a car over. <laughs> well, by now, if she's. <laughs> <laughs> Destiny, you, you really do not know how, how, how bold our smiles are from that comment. <laughs> All right, for um, Vince, this is Len and Party Musa. What a double love girl. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.